Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. And hello, everybody, on this Monday afternoon. What's going on? This is Fantasy Football Today. Hope your Sunday was good. Hope you're ready for a little Monday night football. And hope we're going to be able to see Tuesday night football. We shall see what happens there with the Ravens and the Steelers. Adam Azer, Ben Schrager, and Chris Towers. Checking in with Chris. What's going on, Chris? How was your weekend? It was, it was good. You know, it's uh, football. On Sunday, The Mandalorian on Friday, got a little time off to, you know, spend with the wife on our anniversary, so it was good. Oh, happy anniversary. This is your you. eighth, tenth anniversary. Eleventh. Oh, big one. Cool. Yeah. What is The Mandalorian? It's a show, right? It's it a, is a television like a show set in the Star Wars universe. That I knew, but it's a, it's a series. How, how many seasons yeah. are we talking here? Uh, we're on the second season about halfway through. Okay. And did I beat you in FanDuel this week? Who won? I think so. I don't know. Whoever had Tyree Kill. I had Tyree Kill. Yeah. If you had Tyree Kill, you won in FanDuel yesterday. Okay, cool. Hey, what's up, Schrager? Yo, yo. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. I've spoken to you so much, just not on the air. But it's it's good to it's good to hear your voice. Exactly right. right. Let's talk fantasy football here today on the show. We've got five big topics. We're going to talk about the best way to kind of deal with roster management and whatnot over the last five weeks of the season because things are getting a little crazy. We're going to talk about some studs that people are nervous about. I got more questions about Alvin Kamara by far than any other player. So obviously we'll talk about him and Michael Thomas and Kyler Murray, any other studs we might be concerned about. Ezekiel Elliott is one of those studs we're concerned about. Uh, starting waiver wire guys over studs and streamers for the fantasy postseason weeks 14, 15, 16, and a little bit of week 13 in there as well. Uh, who to start at quarterback, tight end, and DST if you're just streaming. But let's go to the game. Let's go to the Sunday night game, a slaughter. Green Bay 41 and Chicago 25. Ben, let's start with the Bears here. The Packers can make just about any running back look good, and David Montgomery had a great game. 11 carries, 103 yards, 5 catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Scored his third touchdown of the season. So was this the Packers, or was this something that's going to give you faith? They got Detroit and Houston uh, coming up. So those are, you know, basically along with the Packers, I mean, these are some of the best matchups you can ask for here. Do you have faith in David Montgomery? So it's both. I have a bit of faith in Montgomery and I wanted to see him do well in a very easy matchup because he has very easy matchups coming up. So I was very encouraged. Obviously, the big run, he looked like a monster and he was involved in the passing game just like he usually is. And Trubisky fed him towards the end of the game in garbage time. So I was very encouraged. He's an RB2 with these easy matchups coming up. He's not you know, anything special at running back, but if you have an easy matchup and you're going to get fed, I like it. 
Chris, what are your overall takeaways from the Bears? Because, like, this passing stats ended up being good. 242 yards, three touchdowns. But obviously anyone who watched the game knows Trubisky didn't play very well. He fumbled three times. He threw two interceptions. And thank goodness for the fourth quarter, right? It was so much garbage time. So do you have faith in Allen Robinson going forward? Do you think Trubisky is someone worth adding? Because, yeah, like they, he has a really good upcoming schedule. I think you could probably consider adding Trubisky. I mean, he's got Detroit this week. That's a great matchup, Houston afterwards. But I would rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick for week 13 against the Bengals. Um, and so I, I'm not necessarily sure that Trubisky is someone who's going to be at the top of my list for adding that like matchups matter, but only so much and right. bad players are still bad. And I think Trubisky is pretty bad, especially the way Matt Nagy uses him. If Matt Nagy got him on the move, used his athleticism more, I think Mitchell Trubisky, you know, when he was a good fantasy quarterback, that's what they were doing. Uh, they don't do that anymore. I don't know if it's because of the injuries that he suffered back in 2018 when he had the shoulder injury. He's got the shoulder injury that he's coming off of now, but they don't use him as a runner. And that really limits his fantasy appeal. I do trust Allen Robinson. He's the only player uh, in this passing game who you can trust, but he's not. He gets number one work and he's a number two wide receiver. Shaggy B, tell him about Jimmy Graham. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Graham. You know, he's a top 12 tight end still in seasonal stats, but Jimmy Graham is droppable at this point. He's rostered in almost 50% of leagues, but Cole Komet ran more routes than Jimmy Graham for the first time all year last night, and he outsnapped Jimmy Graham 51 to 23. Graham had a couple catches in garbage time, but drop Jimmy Graham. Don't think about starting him. Don't even have to go through that process on Sundays. Get rid of the guy. Let's go to the Packers. Aaron Jones has had Let's see, in his last four games in non-PPR, 7, 8, 13, and 9 fantasy points. In PPR, 12, 13, 17, and 10 fantasy points. He's just not scoring. He has one touchdown in the last four games. But do you guys have any concerns about Aaron Jones uh, you know, at all? What do you think? I don't. He had five touchdowns in the first five weeks of the season, and I assume he's going to score some more times before the end of the fantasy season. That's kind of just how the touchdown regression will continue to go. He's not seeing like any sort of usage downtick that's alarming. Jamal Williams had a lot of carries last night, some of which came in garbage time, but they've always rotated. He just hasn't scored recently, and I expect him to score soon. 17 touches, 18 touches, 90 yards, encouraging enough last night. Yeah, he looks great. I mean, he's running really well. He just... A little bit unlucky with the touchdowns, and at least you're getting the catches most nights, not last night for Aaron Jones. Chris, Alan Lazard, 68% rostered. Is that porridge too low, just right, or too high? Seems just right. He's not necessarily a priority add at this point because he hasn't uh, proven himself since coming back, but he was off to a really great start in the beginning of the season, you know, 250 yards, two touchdowns through the first three games. I think he is the number two wide receiver in this offense, we just have to see it from him. And I think he could be in that like DJ Moore, uh, Justin Jefferson. And then there are some lower end versions of that who I can't think of right now. But basically those guys who if they hit on the big play, if they get into the end zone, they'll be good. He's going to be a downfield threat. And so that's going to it's going to make the week to week consistency a problem. But there's going to be big upside for Alan Lazard in this offense. You're going to drop him for Debo Samuel? Yes, I would rather have Debo Samuel. Okay. And I didn't see the snap count. So, oh, MVS played, and he played a lot. He was limited in practice this week, but 
He did not have a target. So that was kind of interesting. Not a good game for him. Um, and they didn't need him because the Packers rolled. People, maybe we should take the Packers a little more seriously. I don't know. <laughs> They're what, eight Or the three? Bears less and less serious. Well, that's obvious. Yeah, the Bears stink. But, yeah. I, oh, Robert Tunyon is the last fantasy guy we need to talk about. Here are his PPR fantasy points in his last five games, all of them with Devontae Adams. 12, 1, 6, 15, and 17. That's three big games in his last five for Tunyon. And he's a tight end, and that, that counts for a lot. So, uh, is, do you consider him almost a must-start? There's not really a must-start tight end outside of the top five, but I I want to roster him. I'd drop Janu for him. I'd definitely drop Jimmy Graham for him. I'm not sure there's a must-start tight end, a true must-start tight end outside of the top one. There are a bunch of guys who you will start by default, and I think Robert Tunyon might be in that discussion, but of his three big games in the last five, Two of them were because of touchdowns. And yeah. so that makes it sound like he's a touchdown dependent tight end, which most of them besides Kelsey Waller, Henry, maybe Andrew, like that there just aren't a lot of guys who you can rely on. So I think in this offense, you can probably look at him as someone who you're going to start. Like it's not matchup dependent. It's not anything. You just you start him and hope he hits a touchdown that week. I think there are three guys that I consider must start. Let me see if, I can, if I'm missing anyone. But it's Kelsey, Waller, and Hawkinson. I don't think there's and anyone like, else. Hawkinson and Waller, there too. Hawkinson oh, okay. and Waller are not having good seasons. No, uh, so they're just must start compared to the others. Yeah, like In terms of yards, Darren, yeah. Darren but, Waller is averaging six yards per target right now. Yeah, but it, going into the it, last week's or this week's game, he was on pace for for less than nine hundred yards. Yeah, but he's on pace for touchdowns. under eight hundred now. Oh wow! He yeah. just happens to have scored five touchdowns when he only scored three last year. Right, right. Uh, well, yeah, but but because of the position, he's clearly a must start. Yes. Yeah, Hunter Henry, I think deserves that as well. All right, that's it. That's Green Bay and Chicago. Hey, we got an Apple Podcast mailbag on Saturdays. You got to get your questions. I would recommend your questions. Submitting them by Thursday, if not Wednesday night. I, I don't know how long it exactly it takes to show up on, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, as we used to call it, in the biz. But a lot of times I don't see them until Saturday, and we record on Friday afternoon. So try to get those questions submitted, and don't include Thursday night games, which won't be an issue this week, most likely. Um, so, yeah, that just a couple head, that's just a heads up on that. But the Apple Podcast mailbag and leave us a nice review. Ask your question. You have a good chance of getting it answered. We'll read some on the Wednesday shows as well. News and notes. Ronald Jones, according to Bruce Arians, needs to have 20 touches. They've got a bye this week. Then Minnesota at Atlanta at Detroit, home against Atlanta. That's how the Buccaneers will finish their season. Are you buying that, uh, Chris, that Ronald Jones is going to be a 20-touch back? Okay, look. Things score changes dictates things, but let's say let's uh, make it a little bit easier that he's going to get feature work and not really be splitting much with Leonard Fournette going forward. Do you buy that? Third thirty carry Leonard Fournette game incoming in week fourteen. <laughs> no way. There is no less uh, valuable. Uh, what's the term? Vote of confidence. Yeah, than Bruce Arians. He. Made He finally announced Ronald Jones as the starter last season, and he played like 25% of the snaps in that game. You can't trust what he says. 
Ronald Jones has been by far the better back between the two of Fournette and Jones. Uh, and he'll continue to be, I think, the lead back. I don't think we're going to see the Buccaneers feed it to him 20 times every game. But when they're in a close game, he'll get his opportunities. And I think that's enough. He's not someone you feel good about starting every week, but just like tight end, there's only like nine running backs who you do feel good about starting every week. So he's probably going to remain a number two fantasy running back moving forward. Um, I think the, the bigger issue with the Buccaneers running backs is neither of them are good pass catchers and they play with Tom Brady who wants to throw the ball to his running backs. And so it would be easier for Ronald Jones if Leonard Fournette was like J.D. McKissick, because then you would know Ronald Jones has a role, J.D. McKissick has a role, and never the two shall meet. With Jones and Fournette, if Fournette gets hot in the first quarter, they could just bench Jones. We've seen that. So, Ben, what do you think? Are you buying it more than Chris is? No, I'm not. It's it's really game script dependent because they do want to use Leonard Fournette as their pass catching back, even though he's not good at it. I mean, he played the majority of snaps this week because they were down and they kept him on the field because he's you know the guy who's their pass catching back, but he sucks at it. So we can't use him in fantasy as a pass catching back. So that I mean that's awful. But no, Ronald Jones is going to be a boomer bust RB two. He can always break a big run. He's a talented running back, but the usage isn't going to be there for you to just set it and forget it. Fournette has, played more snaps. Fournette has played more snaps in five of the last six games. That is wild. I'm kind of, I want to buy it this time. <laughs> I do, I really want to believe him because I think it's, I think it's just obvious that Jones is better than Fournette as a rusher. There goes good old Charlie Brown. Host of <laughs> oh, the fantasy football podcast. Funny you He's say that. Definitely going to kick that football this week. I never really saw Charlie Brown when I was growing up. I mean, I'm sure I did, but I don't remember. You know, some you remember some of the shows you really liked, and I, I just didn't really. I don't know. It wasn't a big thing. Charlie but, Brown Christmas is exceptional. It, well, it was my wife loves Charlie Brown Christmas, and she had she DVR Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Don't like that one as much. Yeah, I, I I've been watching the great it. the Great Pumpkin is very good. Okay, well, the Halloween one. Yeah, Thanksgiving. I don't like it. And Charlie Brown's a real downer. Jeez. I mean, yeah. The, no, the the very <laughs> first uh, peanut sketch ever is just Charlie Brown walking. Some other kid says, "There goes good old Charlie Brown." Then there's nothing in the middle panel except Charlie Brown walking. And then he says, "Boy, I hate him." <laughs> That's the very first peanut uh, peanuts comic. So yeah, yeah no, I don't. It's, I don't really real like it. Yeah. Josh Jacobs has a sprained ankle, so we'll talk about Devontae Booker on the Tuesday show. Daniel Jones getting an MRI. I haven't seen the update. They have Seattle this week. Um, Philip Lindsay tweaked his knee. Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Teddy Bridgewater. We're looking for updates on these guys. But uh, Jacobs, looked, Jacobs has a... look bad. Yeah, and they have a bye, but we'll keep our fingers crossed. Jacobs, apparently it wasn't as bad as first feared. It's a sprained ankle for him. Let's hope it's not a high ankle sprain. But Devontae Booker at the Jets this week would be a very, very appealing waiver wire ad. And Richard too, for that matter. All right, let's go to our uh, five big topics. This one's from me. just want to get your thoughts on this. Like, Okay, I, I Ben, I don't know how you felt about this, but at the beginning of yesterday's show, our Sunday recap, I thought I wasn't even saying anything controversial. I, I was just saying, like, week 12 was crazy. Much crazier than... The first eleven weeks, and Dave and Heath were like, "Have you, you know, have you been paying attention? It's been like that all year." And no, it really hasn't. I mean, I think if you, you really, all things considered, 
I didn't think there was going to be a season at one point. I, I'm impressed that they've gotten this far. The players have done a great job. They've been very disciplined. We've had so few positive cases going into the season, and it all just exploded last week. So in my personal opinion, Ben, I don't know how you felt about this conversation. We were in. It, I we felt were, the same way. Yeah, I don't, I just don't understand. Like last week, this past current week, I guess, week 12, just seemed we had, much, much worse. We had by far the most big names. That was the other thing. You've got all yeah. the Ravens guys. Even if you don't, don't count the Ravens guys, you had Adam Thielen. You had James Conner. Like, this is, you had every Broncos run quarterback. This is, it was unquestionably the worst situation. And the biggest concern is Monday, beginning Monday, the NFL is instituting, beginning today, and instituting a wear masks all the time in every situation protocol, basically, during uh, the week. And that's great. But from what we know about this uh, virus, it, you're you're lagging about 10 days between like when infections start to grow and when cases start to grow. And so week 13 could be even worse. In fact, I, I, I would expect week 13 to be very similar to week 12. And the other crazy thing about week 12 too, Adam, which I don't think they were considering last night is there were a ton of running back injuries. We had no idea what yeah. was going on. Yeah, on. right. So on Saturday, we <laughs> found out a ton of information. Yeah. Even not COVID related. I know it was it was really crazy. And what do you so what do we do? I I really feel like if you don't have your handcuff, you know, at this point, it's a big mistake. You've got to have your handcuff. And I guess you have to ask yourself, like, well, how good is that handcuff? Because if it's Brian Hill, are you going to just be disappointed? Um, I think Brian Hill could have had a better game if the score had been closer. Is, Is it Patrick Laird, DeAndre Washington, Matt Breida, you know, but. But if you have a handcuff that's even slightly valuable, you ha- you must must carry him, in my opinion. I I kind of go the other way though. I kind of think you should actually more than ever prioritize other people's backups because one, if your starter, I mean, obviously if he gets injured, that's a different thing. But if there's a COVID case in a running back room with your starter, there's a decent chance that well. the backup's going to be involved in that as well. And so when you have other people's backups, if you can get Tony Pollard, if you can get but well, what's the uh, difference? Because what, what's the difference? Because if Zeke has COVID, then other person's backup is, could have it too. It's the same theory. Sure, sure, but you're that's fine. That's fair. Uh, you know what, Chris? I I think there's a really good debate to be had preseason. Should you have your handcuff or somebody else's handcuff? And whichever side of that you land on, I think you should take that approach now as well. The other yeah, little I mean, tidbit it, I was thinking about. And it kind of has like you want depth regardless, but I don't want a depth player. Like I rostered Marvin Hall on Thursday because I had oh, I needed a wide receiver just on my bench, and he was a guy who I thought might be able to do something last week, use him this week, whatever. I don't want a depth guy playing on Thursdays because that Marvin Hall cannot be dropped on mm, Sunday when something call, happens with call. COVID. Yep, hey, he got stuck so with you, Marvin Hall too. It's a great call. Yeah, you, you don't want to have it that way. So if you're debating, do I roster this guy, another guy? Don't roster the Thursday guy. And please, please, please do not play a Thursday player in your flex. It just yep. handcuffs you yeah. completely. Yep. Another good point. And then I think it's time to maybe, like if you're trying to free up roster space for a handcuff, you know, you're running out of time on like potential guys. I, I'm having a hard time thinking. Like Devin Singletary, you could probably just drop right now. Marquise Brown. Yeah, Marquise Brown. Well, Henry Ruggs is still like 50% rostered. Is Marquise Brown going to get every target this week, though? <laughs> if the game uh, gets played? 
Does it matter? No, Des Bryant is. Des Bryant, yeah. Henry Ruggs, right. Right, yeah, move on. Um, all right, so look, it's it's interesting. And then the other thing that came up was I tweeted that I, I don't know that a free-for-all, first-come, first-served waiver or ad-drop policy is the most fair. And it's definitely not. I got a lot of pushback on that. A lot of people agreed, but it was very split. It was very split, put it that way. You can't change it now, right? It's too late, but it's something to consider going forward next year. I just think that probably nightly fab is the most fair way. And then open Sunday. Open Sunday. You could even do open Thursday if you want. But open that Sunday for sure. That is the most sure. fair, but in most leagues, people will probably lean towards more convenient than fair. Yeah, and you know, I said, like, I don't know that it's fair that the person who gets the push notifications gets all the players. And then I got a little, so get the push notifications and I stop crying and all that. I was like, look, I have the push notifications. I I take advantage of it, but I don't know that it's fair. I don't think it's fair. You know, Actually, I, on this topic, can I get a quick ruling? Oh, yeah. I've uh, noticed wait, wait, in a couple wait, of our wait, leagues. Wait, yeah, ooh, yeah ooh. there we go. Hold on. You were saying? Go ahead. So I've noticed in a couple of our leagues, some of the people who are regulars on this podcast <laughs> have a tendency of adding more players during the week than the roster legally allows and then dropping them all just before the game. Not me. This should not be legal. Right? You're not talking about me. No. Okay, good. Other people. <laughs> You're talking about Shraggy B? No, no, no. I mean no. on the fantasy in the it's fantasy the football the today. <laughs> this is like I I've never noticed it before this season, but I've noticed like four extra people on various Oh, do you know do you know why it's happening? That that should not be allowed. It because be it's illegal. because of the IR spots. Because of the IR spots. I no, but I noticed I noticed like four extra guys on someone's roster and they weren't hurt. They were just like speculative ads. Nah, dude, that is so bad. And it's I, a, I didn't want to be the guy to call it out. Oh, call it out. Okay. I'm calling the Definitely. cops on you. You have to call it out. All right. Oh uh, no, that's bad. That's really bad. You know, I gotta I gotta admit, I kinda do that sometimes in baseball. When wow. when a guy comes off the IL, what is the situation? I don't just I don't just carry an illegal roster. It has to be an IL situation where a guy comes off the IL, and I guess I have some time to make the decision. I think that might be what like midweek he comes off the IL. Your your lineups are locked. I'll add someone else. I'll ha- technically be over the roster limit, but by Monday I get back down, which I never feel great about. But I think everybody kind of does that. Uh, Daniel Jones has an outside chance of playing in week 13. He avoided major injury. All right, look, they're not going to win week 13 anyway. Just get back for week 14, okay? Just That's so such a relief. I know nobody cares about the Giants, but I'm really kind of enjoying this for the first time in a long time. It's, it's like the Marlins this year. I just want... I, Daniel Jones can't get hurt. Like, come on. I need that. I need him back. Uh, yeah, the Marlins, right. That was great. Okay, so uh, that was topic number one. Topic number two, which key players should we not play coming into the last couple of weeks? So Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Kyler Murray, those are the first three that come to mind. Should we be sitting these guys? I don't think so. Josh Allen was another one that fell into that category for me. And Josh Allen and Kyler are probably going to fall into the back end of my QB1s. And I might think about starting Ryan Fitzpatrick over them, but... Alvin Kamara is still 
we haven't seen them in a game where they have to pass and maybe yeah. he'll get three targets and that's enough for him because he can take three targets for 50 yards. He's not just a four yards per target guy. So I'm cool with Kamara. I think Thomas against Atlanta will do great just like he did last time he played Atlanta. So I'm not scared of these guys, although I totally understand the concern. I am a coward. And so I can't imagine a scenario in which I would sit Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas, but it's, it's worth considering. I, I will just say, I don't think the Broncos were the only team that did not have an NFL caliber quarterback on the field yesterday. <laughs> and uh, I think that's a little harsh, although I didn't, I, I didn't see yesterday, don't. but I, I think that upon reviewing, I think he'll, he'll play a lot better than I realized in week 11 against the Falcons. I don't, I didn't really see much of yesterday. Yeah, even in the good game, though, it was all slants and screens. He had the two deep passes, one of which Emmanuel Sanders caught that it was such a bad throw that the defender didn't realize that he had underthrown it by 15 yards. Yeah, but he also made a good throw to Michael Thomas downfield that Thomas dropped. Sure, you're allowed. Yeah, he can he make one it. good throw. He didn't throw I, that I many just, passes. I, I think I you're being think a little harsh. You're being a little harsh. I, I just, I have not been impressed enough with him to think that the Saints can be a functional NFL offense in a normal week. Now, maybe against the Falcons again, they won't need to be because they didn't need to be last time. But I would guess the Falcons are going to play better on both sides of the ball. And obviously, I don't think you can take anything from yesterday's game. Um, sure. I'm definitely worried about Kamara. They, he just, Taysom Hill is not throwing him the ball. They haven't needed to, sure. But the one catch he did have yesterday was on a screen and it was wildly inaccurate and Kamara got hit immediately because he had to to make an acrobatic play just to catch it. So I just it's a bad situation. And I yeah. I would hope he gets 15 carries next week. As well, what I'd say. Um there there was a situation 2 years ago. Alvin Kamara had back-to-back games with only one catch in each game. Mm-hmm. And then he had four more games rest of season and he averaged six catches per game. But this is totally different. I mean, this is all about the quarterback. This isn't just yep. fluky. So it's concerning because he's he gets 12, 13 carries a game, you know? The last two yep. games have been 11 carries and 13 carries. And the, the Saints' defense is so good right now. They're crushing everyone. They, um, they have won, what have they won, like eight? They've won eight in a row. They've held four straight teams to 13 or fewer points, including the Buccaneers, 49ers, Falcons, and Broncos. But you know the Buccaneers and the and the and the Falcons in there—that's impressive. So I don't know that they're going to be playing a competitive game at Atlanta next week and at Philly the week after that. <laughs> they just may not need him really, and he might just get 12, 13 touches. But I definitely am not going to sit him because he's too good, and he also typically gets the the goal line work. He has a lot more goal line carries inside the five yard line. He has ten compared to three for Latavius Murray and five for Taysom Hill. That's an issue. Taysom Hill scoring four rushing touchdowns in two games. So I think we all agree. We're a little worried about Kamara, but we're not sitting him. Thomas, I'm with you, Ben. I'm going right back to him. He had 100 yards. Yep. He's getting the target shares outrageous. Yep. So, yeah, I just, I'm going back to him. Kyler Murray, I, I did want to read some quotes from Kyler. So he just rushed uh, for 31 yards after rushing for 15 yards two weeks ago. And he also had a bad game throwing the ball, only 170 passing yards. He said, yeah, I mean, they were just, obviously, those zone read opportunities, they were just playing me. They made me hand it off. I mean, it is what it is. My read is to hand it off if they play me, and that's what I had to do. 
And then he was asked about the shoulder, and he said, I didn't adjust anything. Like I said, if they play me, I have to hand the ball off. You know, thought I probably could have checked it down maybe a couple once or twice more than I did, you know, in the past game. But other than that, there wasn't really any situations where, you know, I shied away from a hit or anything like that. I mean, they hit me a couple times anyway, so I played with, like I said, I wasn't going to play if I couldn't be myself. Now, the first quote, I believe, you know, he's handing the ball off. He's playing it right, and Drake had a good game, or at least, you know, by the end zone. The second quote, he's not really saying that he's not playing hurt. He's saying he can play through it, and he didn't adjust his game, but we'll never know the truth about that probably until after the season. It's definitely concerning that two games in a row, right after he gets hurt, he has his two lowest carry games of the season. Um, He relies more on his rushing production than Lamar Jackson did last season. 37% of Kyler Murray's points this season have come from Rushing yards or rushing touchdowns last season for Jackson, it was 33%. That is pretty alarming if he's not going to be, you know, a thousand yard pace guy. Yeah. Well, also got the Rams this week. They give up the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. There have only been two all year who have scored more than 19 points Josh Allen and Jimmy Garoppolo. Dak Prescott didn't. Russell Wilson scored nine. Um, one other quarterback. Tom Brady scored 16. They play the NFC East, I get that, but their their defense is obviously great. So you, is Kyler Murray, you feel like he's going to be top 10, top 12 this week? He's probably going to be right. right in that range. Yeah. Any other guys? You know, the, the Rams wide receivers drive me crazy. And I don't even think there's a pattern here. <laughs> no predictability, but they drive me crazy. You just, you gotta, you gotta start them. They're, they get a healthy workload every week. The problem is they rely so much on making plays after the catch that if they don't break a big play, they might be a little disappointing. And that's that's more different than most of the elite wide receivers in the NFL who get more targets down the field. Right. All right, we'll take a quick break. Ezekiel Elliott is our next topic. The question is, give me a reason. Well, it's not really a question. It's a statement. It's a, it's a demand. Give me a reason not to bench Zeke rest of season. All right, we'll try to give you one after this. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. And as we tease going into the break, Irish Goodbye asks, or demands, yells at us, give me a reason not to bench Zeke rest of season. Ben Schrager, give him a reason. I've got three reasons for him. Ooh. Week, week 12, first game under 12 touches all year. He has not scored since week five. Touchdown regression could be coming. And he has the Bengals in week 14. So there are your three reasons why not to bench Zeke. He's not scored a rushing touchdown. He did catch a touchdown a couple weeks ago. 
So, Chris, give me yeah. a reason not to bench Zeke at Baltimore in week 13. Because you're a coward like me. No, I, I really think it just comes down to there are not a lot of running backs who you can count on for the kind of workload Ezekiel Elliott gets. You know, he is averaging nearly 18 touches per game wait, since wait. Dak Prescott's injury. Oh, since Dak's injury? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 15.3 carries, 2.5 receptions, 3.7 targets. You know, the efficiency has been really bad in both regards, but I think there's room to believe both will regress. And he's not going to keep averaging 3.77 yards per target probably he's probably going to get back to the around five yards and so that'll help he'll probably get you know an extra goal line carry their their offense has i think looked a little better over the last few weeks obviously the game against washington was really tough for everyone but it mostly just comes down to i can't sit someone who gets close to 18 touches per game yeah so but here's the okay so within that 18 touches I'm looking at score. I'm looking at game script here, and I think it's fairly telling. He's played six games since Prescott's injury. They're one in five. The one game that the Cowboys won, he had 21 carries for 103 yards, and he caught a touchdown. He had two catches for 11 yards and a touchdown. So that's 23, uh, 23 touches and a t- in a great game at Minnesota. They've lost three of their five losses by 22 or more points. Horrible. Twice against Washington and once against Arizona. He had 10 to 12 carries in all three of those games. He also had eight catches in one of those games. But since that eight-catch game, he hasn't had more than two in any game. Mm -hmm. Um, The game they lost by 14, he had 19 carries. The game they lost by five, he had 18 carries. So that's really a great reason to believe that you're going to get a lot of work from Zeke because unless they're losing by 20 or more points, he's getting 18 or more carries without Dak Prescott. Um... And it's but, entirely possible the Ravens will not be at full strength yeah, whenever that game gets played. If you look at who, who at some point this week, and I don't, can't even keep track of who's currently on the uh, COVID list, Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, Matt Judon, Pernell McPhee, mm-hmm. all for the Ravens on the COVID list. And I don't know who's going to be back next week, but they might they might have a horrible run defense. Yeah. And they might. I think they'll have Lamar Jackson. Like, actually, to be quite honest with you, I think that Zeke is set up for a really bad game against the Ravens. Because I, I think the Ravens, if they can get Lamar Jackson back, if they can get those front seven players back, or at least like three of them, I think they just might kill the Cowboys. And if that's the case, then you got to be a little worried. Can you start Naheem Hines over him, though? Jonathan Taylor is out again, let's say. Colts, who do they have? I expect... Oh, yeah, no, they have like the Jaguars they or something. They have the Texans. They have the Texans. Yes, I would start... I would start Naheem Hines over him. Jonathan Taylor's probably going to be back, though. He didn't actually Most likely, positive. yes. This was a close contact. I would think I'd start Jonathan Taylor over him this week. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think Zeke is a is a number two running back. I, I've thought that basically since Dak's injury, and, and it hasn't really changed all that much for me. Okay, from Dylan Tyler, starting waiver guys over studs. This is my biggest hurdle each season. Yeah, no, it's it's a tough one. I, I We're kind of... I just had a bit of a longer show. I was going to read to you who's finished top 12 at running back and wide receiver each of the last three weeks. But my takeaway is that wide receiver is a little bit more stud heavy than running back. Like, that, And that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, week 12, your top 12 PPR running backs were Derrick Henry, Gibson, James Robinson, Nick Chubb, 
So great, you know, top four, not too surprising. Latavius, Montgomery, Kenyon Drake, Eckler, Gallman, Adrian Peterson, Ito Smith, Naeem Hines. I think the thing that you can look at with all of those guys, except for maybe Ito Smith, it comes down to usage. And that's a lot easier to predict for a waiver, waiver wire running back than it is for the guy you picked up at wide receiver. Wide receiver, it's not, it's probably more about talent than running back is although both of them do you know a lot of factors go in beyond just the the talent of the specific player that you're talking about but running back is so much more about opportunity and it's so much more easy to predict that it is easier to look at you know a Wayne Gallman and say yeah I'm gonna start him over you know someone who like Ronald Jones let's say it's it's harder to do that at wide receiver if you had picked up Naeem Hines and you decided to start Alvin Kamara over Naeem Hines. You cannot sit here and think you made the wrong decision. You have to live with results. That's that's part of it too, right? We're never going to get everything right. Uh, ben, what would, you, what would you tell someone who's sitting there going, gosh, I don't know what to do. Studs versus, you know, great streaming options. Well, it's going to take a lot to get rid of the preconceived notion of the stud. Like Kamara doesn't get a target for the next two games. We might start to think, oh, this guy might be a benchable guy who only gets 12 carries, but we know how good he is. And waiver wire guys, they probably just had one big game, so you pick them up for that reason. The odds are they're not going to have another big game right away. So it is a process thing. You don't want to start a guy just because he had one big game. And sometimes with running backs, it's predictable. You can see 15 carries coming because of opportunity, but for wide receivers, it is extremely difficult. And don't kick yourself for that. Yeah, Devontae Booker may be a top 12 running back this week. Yeah, we got to look in. We got to look more into what the splits would be. Did Jacobs leave any games with an injury this year? This season, I don't. There was one where he left with like a hip, but he was back, and I think it was late in the game anyway. Okay. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, it could be Jalen Richard, but you no, know, it'll be Booker. They, I just don't know how much Jalen Richard will see. He's also was, hurt. It was DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard last year, and DeAndre Washington was averaging like twenty touches per game, and I think twenty plus fantasy points in his three starts for the Raiders. So I think expectations should be very high for Devontae Booker. He's the kind of guy who I may consider starting over Alvin Kamara. Yeah, you're right. He, so he's missed the next the last two games. He has an illness, Jalen Richard. Um, so we do have to check on his status. But mm-hmm. right, okay, so, so I've sort of identified some of these tough decisions you'd have to make for week 13. You could have Jonathan Taylor at Houston, and you shouldn't consider him a stud. He hasn't earned that. No. David Montgomery against Detroit, Devontae Booker at the Jets, Damian Harris at the Chargers, a Miami running back against Cincinnati. These are all very enticing situations. And then you're talking Antonio Gibson at Pittsburgh. These are either these are either tough matchups or guys who just aren't playing that well lately. Antonio Gibson at Pittsburgh, Alvin Kamara at Atlanta, Kenyon Drake against the Rams, Aaron Jones against the Eagles. There's no way I'd sit him. It's the easiest call. Uh, Clyde Edwards Elair against Denver and Zeke at Baltimore. You'd have to make some decisions, maybe. Or, or maybe you can start everyone. But, you know, how many of these guys would you start over Zeke at Baltimore? Jonathan Taylor at Houston, Montgomery against Detroit, Booker at the Jets, Damian Harris at the Chargers, Dolphins running back against the Bengals. Booker for Montgomery's sure. probably going to be the only one that I have up I, there. I would say Booker and maybe Montgomery. And I mean, not Jonathan Taylor, because I think I just said I would start Taylor over Zeke. I think I could consider it. It's just he's still in that zone where we don't know if he's going to get 15 carries. 
I also think if if Miles Gaskin is back and Savan Ahmed is not, yes. then I'd be pretty interested there. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. All right. So yeah, it's it's a tough call. It's basically the hardest thing in fantasy. I mean, if we had an easy answer for that, every week would be easier, but also less fun because you know the the whole not such a great player, great opportunity versus stud and tough matchup thing is one of the more fun things that we deal with every week from a content perspective. Uh, all right. And then D Hoppin wants some streamers for the fantasy playoffs. Quarterbacks, tight ends, and DSTs, he asks. What do we got, Ben? How about some DSTs? Yeah, the Seahawks, it, the true test is going to be tonight, if you're listening on Monday, how they face the Eagles, because this is the first of many easy matchups. They've got the Jets, the football team, and the Rams in the fantasy playoffs. I think this defense is not actually that bad, and they should take advantage of these matchups. So they're my favorite. We'll see how they do against Philadelphia. And then the Browns are the other one. They have Baltimore in week one of the fantasy playoffs, which sucks. But then they have both the New York teams, the Giants and the Jets, to finish it off. I think they're another option. But the Seahawks, I would love to roster, and hopefully they don't go off too much tonight, so you have to spend a ton of fab on them. And the Cardinals are also not such a good DST, but they get the Giants in Week 14 and the Eagles in Week 15 and the 49ers in Week 16. I, I don't love yeah. the streaming DST conversations necessarily this early because things change so much, but Seahawks have been at the top of our list for a while. Chris, Look, you, unless you don't need to play in week 13, you shouldn't be worrying about streaming DSTs yet. You shouldn't have two DSTs. I, I don't know. I'll tell you what. In a 10-team league, you're 100% right. In a 12-team league, you're probably right. But in a 14-team league or deeper, then you definitely should be looking ahead. Because I, I got stuck with I got stuck with the Chiefs DST this week, and they ended up being okay. But I was very, very nervous about them. I couldn't find anyone good on the waiver wire. I did actually stick the Chiefs DST on my bench in one fourteen team league because they've got the Broncos in week thirteen. Hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So I'm, 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 do as I say. <laughs> okay, and then uh, tight ends. Let's go. We'll do quarterbacks last. But I put for tight end. I don't believe in streaming tight ends this year. Yeah, there's not a matchup like the Cardinals in years past. The only one I had written down here was Jared Cook. Because if Drew Brees comes back, he has connected with Jared Cook more than Jared Cook gets with Taysom Hill. But no, there's not a tight end I want to hang on as a backup who's on the waiver wire. No. They haven't been good enough as a position. The The best matchups appear to be the Jets and the Bengals and I think the Jaguars. And I looked at their schedules and there's nobody that... There's, I don't think there's a tight end that plays two of those three. I just did a quick glance. But basically... I don't know. Whenever we sit there, oh, he has a great matchup. It just really hasn't worked out that well. It's been it's been hit or miss, you know. But it hasn't been consistently good enough. Where I'm, I think we're recommending a streaming tight end. I still like Jordan Reed, but he was bad. I don't think matchups matter all that much for tight ends, at least outside of the context of they're going against a bad defense. I don't I don't know outside of like the Cardinals in recent years, which has been really the one key uh, outlier. It's mostly just if you have a good defense, you're going to be pretty good against tight ends. And if you have a bad defense, you're going to be pretty bad against them. And so that should be uh, what you look for. I will say if you're looking for a tight end to stream and you play in one of the 28% leagues where Zach Ertz is not rostered, Zach Ertz might be your streaming yeah, tight end. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. All right, and then the quarterback. Chris, I don't know if you have any names. Ben and I kind of brainstormed before the show. Do you have anybody you'd like to suggest? 
I mean, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he's starting in week 14, he gets the Chiefs. That'll be a good opportunity for him to to rack up points, although they are a good defense. Um, but no, I, I don't have anybody else specifically off, offhand. Okay, we've got bad options like Trubisky and Dalton have good yeah. matchups. Stafford, if he gets dropped, like Stafford's a different guy with, with Galladay. So if he gets dropped, you've got Chicago this week. That's not great. Green Bay at Tennessee, Tampa Bay. Um, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not even sure the matchups matter. Like Stafford could just be a solid quarterback with Galladay. Just get that thumb healthy. Um, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is really interesting. So he's got beginning this week. Houston, Las Vegas, Houston are his next three opponents. Fitzpatrick would be nice, especially this week against Cincinnati and Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's just playing so well. Jacksonville this week, great opportunity at Tampa Bay. Chicago at New Orleans. Um, yeah, Chicago and at New Orleans man. are not good, but but Jacksonville and Tampa Bay are fine, I think, for Cousins. And that's the next two weeks. And we'll see. We'll see uh, how it goes. Thank you, guys. I think uh, I think we're done. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, Adam. It was, my ple- it was really my pleasure. My pleasure. I appreciate <sighs> you taking the time out of your day. You know what? I think you guys were great. I I really enjoyed being here, part of this experience with you. I wish we were in a studio together. I think it would be a great time. (laughs) Six feet apart, Ben. We'll talk to you all tomorrow with the waiver wire and fantasy football today in five tonight after the game. See you guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.